Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Well, sad to say that my time with the uh, Porsche Panamera Sport Turismo Turbo S e-Hybrid has now officially come to an end because it's parked up in front of one Porsche drive, which is Porsche Cars North America uh, headquarters next to Atlanta Airport. And this, so, so this effectively is our last report on the hashtag RRVI2PLM series of programmes. We reset the mileage when we pulled up yesterday at the front of Road Atlanta. So that was from the bottom of Monterey uh, at the uh, Mazda Raceway, sorry, WeatherTech Raceway, Laguna Seca, uh, to Petit Le Mans, to Road Atlanta. That, keep your guesses coming in. Um, and I've, I've had to give the keys back already. And I, I've got to say, I've formed a bond. When you drive across the country like that, you form a bond with a car like this. Uh, I'm delighted to say, though, it's not the end of our reports. Because this is a gentleman that we first met at Las Vegas. Remind everybody who you are, sir. Mike DiPietro, product manager at Porsche. Mike, first of all, what an astounding car the Sport Turismo in uh, Turbo SE hybrid form is. And an, an interesting and... How important an addition is it to the Porsche range? It's uh, kind of the pinnacle of plug-in hybrid technology for our brand. It kind of shows where we are going for the future. Uh, the, the ability to get 680 horsepower out of a, uh, a basically combustion engine and an electric motor is pretty impressive. So uh, it's our third most powerful production Porsche ever, if that says anything. That says a lot. Yeah. And uh, in my road test, which you'll be able to hear on the Radio Show Limited network of, work of channels, uh, I... I want to debunk anybody who thinks it's not a real Porsche. It's a real Porsche, isn't it? Through and through. I mean, it, it does all the Porsche stuff the right way. Um, I mean, yeah, it's a little heavier. It's a hybrid, but, you know, that's kind of the way things are going right now, and we're engineering uh, solutions around that to make it perform like a Porsche day and day. So, There's no doubt when you sit in it, when you look at it, people who've stopped me, and there have been many, uh, they realize it's a Porsche. Not used to seeing it in the Sport Turismo, guys, though. That's quite new over here. Yeah, quite new. We just started... Uh, it was guess last year so we've been in market about probably 15 16 months um sold i think our mix right now is roughly eight to ten percent of where we are which is uh it's pretty good i mean the the, the estate uh, body style in the, in the u.s really isn't quite too popular so it was a big question mark for us but i think it's unique enough uh, just like the panamera is amongst the sedans in general so it kind of fits a niche that uh that porsche buyers like I, I've always had a soft spot for, for big station wagons, shooting brakes, as we used to call them, uh, in back in the, the United Kingdom. Uh, I think the, the styling job is that, that's been done on the back end is, is very good. The ex, little bit of extra room that you get by having the estate car body is, uh, is very useful, and it has been perfect for the trip across country. Now, I haven't always been able to charge the car of an evening. It's sitting charging at the moment but we've got somebody here who can tell us a little bit about that introduce yeah. me please uh yeah we got with us uh, chad bass he's our head of uh, charging infrastructure here at porsche and he can answer any question you have about that chad uh as we move towards more hybrid and of course porsche coming out with a, a full electric car fairly shortly how important is it for the manufacturer to get involved in ensuring that the the charging infrastructure is in place um 
it, it's really important. They have to work hand-in-hand hand with regards to the OEMs as well as the network providers in the network to make sure there's adequate charging infrastructure on the highways and the cities and at where people go, like grocery stores, malls, etc. What has impressed me is the speed of which this this car charges. Uh, I was at a, a Porsche dealer event. Uh, it was absolutely zero uh, hybrid energy, and I think it was about 70-80% in maybe a couple of hours, maybe two and a half hours. Now, obviously, that's not a full hybrid, and that's only give me, going to give me 29, 30 miles. But educating people to plan their journeys is going to be part of the future as well. Well, the new Taycan is going to be an 800-volt vehicle, so we're going to be able to charge it using our turbochargers at 350 kilowatts. Um, and that's what we're going to be putting here at the PECs here, and we're also going to be partnering with you know other national providers to provide that high-power uh, charging. We're saying roughly get you know 220 miles of charge within 20 minutes of the vehicle. What? That's, that's the game plan. That's extraordinary. That's far and above anything that we've seen so far. So far, yes, and that's because we're, you know, we're at a much higher rate of charge. So what we're talking about here then is the genuine ability to pull in somewhere where there's one of these charges, have a cup of coffee, maybe something to eat, and put a couple of hundred miles in the car. That's correct, yeah, and it's kind of getting almost towards the gas station model where you can get in, char- uh, you know, fill up your car, get a coffee, grab something to eat, and come in and be ready to go. And what will be the overall range of the Taycan uh, when, it, when it arrives? Um, we're thinking right around 300. Yeah. 300, 300 seems to be an industry standard, yeah. to be honest, at the moment. It's, it's kind of limited by batteries and the technology involved there, but, you know, 300 is, is kind of our benchmark of what we need to hit, and, you know, as, as we develop, we've, that's kind of where we're going to end up. So that for most people obviously that would be more than enough in, in fact I, I was talking to a couple of people on the road that said you know my morning commute is 10 or 15 miles and therefore i could use a panamera sa turbo um to panamera turbo s a hybrid uh, to go backwards and forwards to work and probably never put any gasoline in it all week and then at the weekend when i wanted to go on a longer journey then i use the petrol engine and and that that really is all part of the educational cycle, isn't it? Yeah, it's a big educational cycle because, I mean, when you drive a combustion car, you, you, you know where your gas station is. You, mm. It's kind of a, a religious thing you do you know, <laughs> once a week. Um, but when you have an electric car, you don't necessarily need to do that. You can charge every night at home. Yeah. So it's a different mindset of uh, basically, yeah, the 300 miles is what we, we're going towards. But in reality is the average person doesn't go that far it, it consecutively quickly so no. it, it's it's only happens one or two percent of your tr- trips overall so the idea of uh, charging at home and then having this complementary uh basically highway system is kind of the whole package and, and that's what we're going for is basically give customers for the future a peace of mind about electrification range anxiety is what people talk about 300 miles most people won't do that when i drive into london from where i live that's just over 100 miles either way so Theoretically, I could do that on one charge, and that's a big step forward, isn't it? Yeah, that, that's a, that's kind of uh, it's the holy grail. If you can get everything in one, all your use cases, you know, bundled up into one package, then then we're good to go. And that's kind of where, where we hope to be with the Taycan when it comes out uh, here in the near future. So in the near future, I like that. Um, what challenges then are you facing in getting the infrastructure rolled out? And who are you having to work with to make sure that someone who buys a Taycan in the near future, if they want to do one of those longer journeys, will be able to attempt it without having to have the navigational skills of an Apollo astronaut? 
Well, one of the things that we're dealing with now is the current market is all 400 volt chargers. Um, CNR cars at 800 volt chargers, so it's we have to take certain steps and partner with the right providers that can have a charge that can reach the rate that we needed to charge the the vehicle um, at the rate we're looking at. And then what about the safety aspect of that? People are going to go, whoa, 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 whoa! How much this charge going through stuff? That that sounds a bit scary to me. Um, it's completely safe, just like all chargers are today. Uh, at that high rate, we do have to. Uh, it is liquid cooled, so there's propylene glycol through there, so it keeps it. You know, the, nothing melts or anything like that. But you know, it's completely safe. You can charge it in the um, in, in the rain. Everything. It's just you plugs in. No no current is going through the wires until the connection's made between the charger and the car, and everything's secure. And is that? Is that practical to have at home as well with the current electrical grid? Well, it'll be fine at home. Most people in the United States have adequate charging infrastructure. In your home, you can charge it on a regular 120 volt, um, or you can have an electrician come out and do a 240 volt uh, charge and just you know put a, a level two charger in there and it increases your, the rate you can charge your car at. Right. Un- understood. This is all going to be new technology and we're going to look differently at how we buy our cars in the future, whether that's um, more modest marks than Porsche, but certainly the premium brands seem to be leading the way here. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of uh, came out of necessity for the most part, but I think uh, we found that you can take the electrification and actually use it for performance. So that's, you know, how we, we positioned it and, and we're, we're running with it. So it's, it's twofold. It helps, you know, it helps the environment, but it also helps kind of the personal enjoyment level. The amount of torque you get in an electric car is just insane. So the ability to have that and then couple that in a Porsche body is just amazing. And what Porsche have done in the last few years in the World Endurance Championship prior to that with the GT3R, all right, that was a flywheel, but that was still a hybrid system. Learning about battery technology about control systems is that filtering down in any way shape or form to to the new product oh yeah definitely i mean going back to our first gen of just regular hybrids back in 11 and 12 for the panamera and cayenne we're now in our third gen of basically hybrids with the cayenne and panamera and the region we got out of that car i mean things were learned on the track from the 919 and the development of the 918 um you know it's amazing you can see the trickle down into the production cars already and it's just going to keep continuing as we move forward at formula e next year we've got a lot going on there so there's a lot of development there that i imagine we'll see in the, the tycon you've scared everybody in formula e though talking about that sort of motorsport because the other manufacturers involved weren't weren't really happy about you guys love to see Porsche coming in but didn't want you to bring all the technology and and you've not been allowed to bring all of the knowledge that you've learned in the WEC I don't think you're going to be allowed your battery packs for example yeah I'm not 100% clear on what we're doing there I know I know it's part we're we're partnering with them and and sponsoring but I don't know all the details of that program yet I don't think anyone does but um, yeah it's kind of interesting to see how it's all going to pan out just proves how far ahead of the game Porsche is. I suppose the, the final question for both of you gentlemen is, we've been talking about charging, but what about charge for charging? Is all this going to be free? Are we going to have to put in a credit card? Are we going to have to open an account with a number of different users? That's certainly the model that has, I think, held things back in the UK and Europe because you never know which version of the charging system you're going on to. Um, are you guys working with the providers to, to try and smooth some of that out? That's what we're, you know, we're working with the providers to try to figure out what kind of programs would work with our customers um, and, you know, how can we, our customers maximize the usage on multiple networks. So that's what we're kind of working with now to see what would work best.
you know, is it is it going to be just credit card? Is it going to be some kind of free charge or low cost charge? And those are the things that we're evaluating right now. And do you have any say at all in the level at which people uh, have to pay for for their energy? Because obviously, some people will buy electric cars, particularly full electric cars, for um, philosophical reasons. But there will be a lot of people who will think, well, I can save a bit of money here. But it's quite a big investment, and if you're looking to amortise that down the road, what you don't want is two or three years down the road, all of a sudden for these charge points to become as expensive as filling up with gasoline. Yeah, and that's one of the things that the networks are actually working on, because one of the hardest part is they're paying for the electricity, and the on-demand charges here in the United States are rather high in certain locations, so they have their own people working with negotiating with the utilities to try to bring their costs down, and as their cost goes down, the cost to the customer goes down as well. And presumably you do deals over a long term to be able to say, right, it's going to cost you X cents, X dollars a unit, and we can guarantee that for the next three years yeah and that's what they're that's what they're going to be working with to try to change the united states and how you know we charge for electricity for electric vehicles is this going to change how you sell cars as well in terms of you know people i don't think there's very many people who are looking at cars who don't know what a porsche is but there's going to be different features and benefits going back to the old sales techniques different features and benefits that you're going to have to roll out through the dealer centers yeah, everything from even dealer education, um, I, letting them know how things work. I mean, that's that's the hardest pro- problem uh, that we're trying to overcome right now. But, I mean, everything from, you know, where the car is, it's like it, there's a lot to understand. I mean, the joke is is range the new horsepower because every every car goes fast quickly now. Like mm-hmm. electric tor- electric motors are, you know, they're torquey. So you get all the power right, right off the bat. Um, but how do you... Uh, translate how do you make that kind of Porsche USP into it and I think that's where we've positioned the the 800 volt setup and, uh, and the fast charging to uh, reproducibility I mean this is a Porsche we're putting out on the market it's going to be able to do the Porsche things constantly which some electric cars haven't been able to do in the past uh, and Porsche not unique in this but uh, have a long-term plan uh, I think it's 2025 the current plan mm-hmm. what I do find interesting is talking to some of your dealer uh, centers Porsche centers is that that's been shared completely pretty much with the dealers they're on board with it they understand not where they're just going to be in 18 months time but down the road to 2025 yeah, yeah i mean we've uh, our, our global ceo uh, bluma came out and said that by 2025 50 percent of our fleet will be electrified in some way shape or form so that's a big number for the dealers uh, because they have to they have to completely change their uh, dealership setup i mean even the repair side of the business is just quite different uh Battery packs, bays, all that fun stuff. You need to make room. service safety, as we were talking about yeah. before. It's a whole whole new ball game. But I think there's a, enough um, a, enough basically demand for Porsche that they they're, they're on board. So they they they're really interested in this stuff. The customers are starting to ask a lot about it. So it's not like it's completely new to us because we've had hybrid or some type of electrification in market for the last seven or eight years. Um, but it's kind of the next steps and kind of getting them on board to help with that. So right, this is a tough question to finish with for you. I've just come from. Monterey to Road Atlanta, little over 50 hours, not the most direct route, I'll, I'll give you that. Um, when can I realistically think that on a full electric car I might be able to replicate that, that route or at least something close to it? Because there was a lot of places where I couldn't get cell phone, I couldn't get data, and it was a long way between petrol stations. That's current infrastructure. You've got to work on brand new infrastructure. 
Yeah, and that's one of the, the providers that are working right now through, you know, EVgo, ChargePoint, and Electrify America. They're working to get a national network together, not just hodgepodge spots where the cities are, are, are EV-ready, um, but they're, they're working together to kind of put a ne- ne- national network together for highways and cities so you can go from coast to coast on a, you know, just using your electric vehicle. So I know that's going to be coming here in the next couple years, um, but it's going to take some time. And a lot of resources. Does it need government to get involved? Now it's different over here in the States from in, in Europe because you know you have a number of different states, you have the federal government, do they need to be involved or would you rather they weren't? That's a tricky question especially with today's political climate and, and who's in charge. Um, Governments have always been involved when new technology comes out and, you know, to help, you know, kind of push it and kind of get it off the ground. Um, we're at a particular time where we haven't reached an inflection point for electric vehicles yet. Um, so any help could, you know, from the government could continue to, you know, push the environment forward. But right now there's enough money in the market to for us to kind of keep pushing forward at least. I don't know if it's to a point where we don't need any government money, but it would anything would help. And and typically, looking further down the road, where do you think these charge points will be? Will we see them effectively like gas stations down the road, possibly as an adjunct to gas stations? Certainly, a couple of the uh, petrol suppliers, fuel suppliers in Europe are already moving down that route. Or are there going to be other places, places that you would stop to go shop, to go eat, to take a break on your journey? Uh, that's the general idea is to be able to charge wherever you go. So grocery stores, um, you know, shopping malls, anywhere, you know, you're in the car and you can have the ability to charge for at least 30 minutes. Um, you know, on the highways when you're doing long trips, that's going to be a big thing. Um, also, you know, home. So the idea is wherever the car is going to sit for more than 30 minutes, you should be able to charge eventually. And if we can get to that point, I think we're going to find a lot better, uh, you know, purchase price for um, purchases for electric vehicles. But now that the oil and gas industry is starting to get into it, they're starting to see the future. There's going to be a ton of cash pushed into it. And I wouldn't be surprised when, you know, gas stations start converting or expanding to, to house, you know, DC chargers as well. Exciting time to be in the business. Extremely exciting. It's, I've been in the, doing this position for about 10 years now, and to see it evolve from good old-fashioned cars to, to this has been... And crazy. it's moving so quickly, yeah. isn't it? I mean, the technology, the, 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 even just the education level of from internal staff to external to dealers and, and to customers, the incomprehension in there. It's just it's, it's the Wild West right now. There's a lot moving, uh, a lot of moving pieces that are, people are sorting out. Well, you hardly get my endorsement for the trip that we've just made uh, with the Turbo S e-hybrid Panamera Sport Turismo. Uh, That's come to an end, as I mentioned earlier on. Still time to get your mileage guesses in. What was the mileage from the bottom of the hill at Laguna Seca to outside Road Atlanta for Petit Le Mans? The hashtag is RRVI2, that's the number two, PLM. Get that into at Radio Le Mans or at Specutainment and we'll sort through the, uh, the guesses. And we've got some fantastic Rensport and Porsche merchandisers for those of you that get closer. Gentlemen, thank you very much and here's to an electrified future. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com